Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody out there listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. You're back. You're back here and you're listening to yet another feature show on these airwaves, always on a Tuesday. Uh, we love it. We love you. Uh, but it's not the only type of content we've got in this network. Don't forget that you can check out Central whenever Ross McLeod decides to record that show. Um, he has a number of great guests, including sexy John Isherwood, who sometimes pops up uh, on that show. And also listen to Saturday Draft Live, which comes out on a Saturday. Uh, funnily enough, you've also got all the great stuff we've got on YouTube. Hundreds of great content here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're, we're every type of social media uh, because we love it. We love social media, we love talking about ourselves. It's my favourite pastime. Uh, but I've also got a wonderful panel here today. We're going to be talking about the careers and rivalry of AJ Lee and Paige. And I'm starting off with someone who... AJ Lee, she was known for the pipe bombshell. And we have our very own bath bomb princess right here. She is ah, the current ESSR women's champion. Sarah Grieve, how are you? <laughs> oh, it pains you to say that, doesn't it, David? Yeah, well, I was the greatest uh, ESSR women's champion of all time and the number one feminist on this podcast. <laughs> so I think it was, it was horrible for you to do. But how are you, Sarah? Have you got a stitch onesie on tonight you're telling me before we came on here? Uh, I do, I do. It's brand new and I'm really, really cosy. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that. I love that so much. Well, listen, uh, it's also very, very exciting because Paige made a great debut. We're going to talk about it the night after WrestleMania 30. And that's like that's a, a great occasion for someone to debut. But what better occasion for two people to make their feature debuts than on a show hosted by David Campbell? It's, it's fantastic. It's really an honour for both of them. <laughs> First up is Scottish Wrestling Network owns Billy Strachan. Billy, how are you doing? I'm so excited just by that segue. I know I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> You're always going to have a good time in these areas, Billy. How's your Sunday been? What have you been up to? I, I have done sweet nothing this weekend. I've got I'm going back to see some wrestling next weekend, so I'm just I'm still not, I'm just that buzzed, and I'm so buzzed to speak about yeah. wrestling with some some fans. What and, are you going uh, to see next weekend? I'm going to see WrestleZone. WrestleZone's nice. back, and uh, I was supposed to be going to a Comic Con in Edinburgh, but. Unfortunately, it's been cancelled, so unfortunately, the wrestlers are going to have to see my ugly mug. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, we love having you here, Billy, and we also love having Tom McManus. Tom, how are you doing? I'm very well, cheers. Thank you, David. Yeah, not bad. Good Sunday for you, Tom. Are you a football fan, Tom? Uh, I, f I follow bits and bobs. I luckily managed to miss United, uh, Manchester United's big uh, upset of the weekend, but uh, I'm, I'm just about to go on holiday, so I've not been catching up. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Where are you going? Uh, I'm a, I'm off to Centre Parks oh, for the first time. The, uh, and the, and my partner absolutely loves it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be good, especially this time of year. You're all cosy in the cabin and stuff like that, and you've got the sort of winter surroundings around you. We're getting into that cold time of year. I love it. It's my dream. Oh, so yeah. and there's my... no kids because they're back in school. Well, a hundred percent. And this is we hate children here. Famously at Eat Sleep, oh. like free tweets. So I am, you know, I am going to sit right in here. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, that's my great panel I have here today, uh, people. That's everyone uh, who is with me. There is no one else of note here on this panel. No one else. Of, oh God, he's here. He does call this his house. His name is Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how are you? Ah. Uh, 
David, it's always a pleasure. To be. Uh, as yeah, you, did, you stole the light. You took the light. I was going to use myself. This is my house. I'm uh-huh. well, literally, I'm in my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, over the top, reckless show, David. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Brian Porter shouldn't have been sent off. But anyway, we're oh, talking about <laughs> AJ Lee and Paige here today is what we're going to be discussing. And I want to start off with AJ Lee. Now, Sarah, on this podcast, you were, you were known for covering the NXT content back in its prime, talking about those, those takeover previews where you and your panel, you loved it. But there was another iteration of NXT before that. It was the game show NXT, and that is where AJ made her start here in WWE, took part in the third season of NXT. Um, Do you have any uh, memory of this season of NXT when it was the women, the female competitors who were getting a shot? Um, I didn't didn't watch it when it was actually going on, Um, but I I have, like, sat and unfortunately watched it. with and it's watching it back and then reading from AJ's point of view in her book um, it's a very very massive and weird thing that gets going on I mean yeah being being paired with like Primo then having like the the tease of a relationship and the sumo wrestling suits and oh my god yeah it was it was quite the time it was quite the time but it did uh, let her develop the first stage of her character like she was incorporating her sort of geeky fandom into things you know and she had that on screen friendship with Caitlin which Stephen would eventually cross over onto the main roster when she went up um, when she was part of a team with Caitlin known as the the Chick Busters now do you have any memories of of this friendship blossoming at what was I'm sure we can all agree a golden age of the women's division in WWE yeah golden age yeah we use that term very 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 uh, yeah the, the Chick Busters who had some uh, great feuds with the likes of Rosa Mendes Alicia Fox Tamina Snooker, whatever happened to her. Yeah, it's, um, I thought when she was in, I mean, you mentioned this kind of season three of NXT, the kind of game show thing. I thought she was the kind of standout in that season, Mm -hmm. which is easy to say because it's a pretty crap season. You know, seasons two to five are pretty shit. (laughs) Uh, But she goes out the main roster and does, yeah, it's just a bad, bad start to her career at this point. I don't think it's fair to say she does very, very little. Her character, the nerd character, as you mentioned, David, she struggles to kind of grasp it. Uh, put in with somebody with the charisma that Caitlin had. Um, she only really had charisma when she was on screen with Big E, which is not having charisma with Big E is, you know, very very easy. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, it's it's just like and she feuds with Natalia. You know, I mean that's never a good thing. But no, <laughs> no, uh, that's the she is the dog Ziggler of the women's division. Like no oh, interesting no. feuds will come of that. You know. <laughs> But Tom, I think what Stephen's getting at here, like you know yourself, the importance of finding your character, of finding your gimmick, and they say that people should dive into their real life uh, for things, um, and AJ was trying to do that here, but it seems like it just never clicked for AJ with this character in the main roster. Well, I, 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 I do agree with that, and I do think that that's part of the thing. But I think part of that is that you've got to look at the um, creative process of WWE at that time as well. Because I, I wasn't watching at this time, but I've gone back and watched a, a, a load of stuff from this. And if you look at AJ as a person on 
on the the NXT Tough Enough rebrand that it was meant to be. I I remember like, I wasn't watching, but I remember I was at school at that time and thinking back. Like I went to school with people who looked and spoke like AJ. She yeah. was very much she was very much a character of a time, and that's not a character they've ever done before. So when you think about it, like it it was probably always going to take them a long time to work it up because they have so little say in in what their character is, and it obviously all comes down from Vince. But if you think, if you look back and think about it at that time, it's the development of, of them being like, oh, okay, this is what, what young women are like, and now they're like, they're gonna have to try and bring that forward and stuff like that. So it got there, but obviously creative, obviously it was a new experience for them, I think. Yeah, hundred percent, and like that's the thing we we blame performers for their characters not working, but at the end of the day, it's down to WWE's the system. Especially if you're coming in, you don't have a lot of influence in the way that your character goes. But thankfully, creative did give her something of substance going forward, Billy, when she was paired with Daniel Bryan. Now, I think this was the case of the the right thing happening for both. Uh, of these competitors at the right time. AJ sort of floundering in this tag team with Caitlin and this baby face role. And Daniel Bryan really getting the push that he deserved on the SmackDown brand, but really still trying to figure out what his character was going to be, what his gimmick was going to be. How does he fit in as a person in the WWE system? And do you think that this was beneficial, this pairing, for both parties involved? Absolutely. I mean, it gave them both like a, a point of of trying to prove themselves and just before because I, I wasn't part of the NXT season 3 but a little bit chatter there just got to remember Exan and Goldust got married and it was the greatest season of all time yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh that, that, that is the exception to the rule you know that oh, is the yeah. exception Ted DiBiase comes out crashes the whole thing it's a thing of beauty it's the second best wrestling wedding ever behind Index Oh, 100% Index. Index takes the game, but, but carry on, Billy, sorry. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so I'm not I'm not getting the disrespect for season three because it was just, it was it was special. And I agree with everyone, <laughs> what everyone else is saying about like AJ was that kind of common, um, not common, but she's like that common woman where it's the evolution of this nerdy girl that the WWE didn't do before, like like you're saying. Uh, but yeah, this, this kind of Daniel Bryan as an excellent wrestler that he was or is still is he just, yeah that character just wasn't clicking and he was just a bland baby face and he yeah. could do good kicks and then AJ of course was was this like nerdy character who I mean it was a time that wrestling was kind of secondary for women and she didn't have the kind of sex appeal I suppose I would say yeah. because she was that nerdy character uh, so yeah to at least pair them both together and just see what happens it, it certainly uh yeah, it got people to know the both more, uh, for better or for worse, with uh, Daniel yeah. Bryan starting to little know stuff around about that time as well, didn't he? Not 100%. It's safe to say that neither of them were cheddar. Both were just some common bitch. Uh, but as this storyline progressed, Sarah, uh, we had the moment that people really associate with this couple. Uh, and that was the kiss of death that took place at WrestleMania when Brian was about to defend his World Heavyweight title against Sheamus and was defeated famously in 18 seconds. We've talked about this booking. Quacky has named it his favourite WrestleMania opener of all time. But what do you, do you think this was really the thing that put AJ on the map, strangely? Like we say, it led to, to the Yes movement indirectly in Daniel Bryan's career, but really it was good for AJ as well. I mean, absolutely, because at this, at this point, like, she was only really doing, like, what, the NXT Redemption where she was the girlfriend of Hornswoggle. 
and then like losing to the Divas of Doom. Like that's all she was doing before this point. So having like the on-screen romance with with Daniel Bryan and developing into that heel character um, definitely definitely worked for her. And then when it came to you know that WrestleMania moment, um, especially mainly the fact that. The the actual storyline going along was AJ saying that she loves Daniel Bryan and he would never say it to her in return. So obviously, mm. yeah, a girl's gonna be pissed, right? From a girl's perspective, I'd be pissed at all, right? Yeah. So when this was happening, and obviously you've had the stuff with Big Show, all that sort of stuff, like her basically preventing, despite being you know verbally abused, which we do not stand for. No. The whole sharing a good luck kiss with Brian, I don't know. Like, people always ask, is that was that pre-planned in AJ's eyes? Did she plan to like cost him essentially? Because mm-hmm. it, it did. It, it ended their relationship, and he he basically branded her as unstable. Which then after this is when she she started la- started lashing out because it was like not that long after that she basically attacked Natalia and Caitlyn. When they were trying to be good pals and comfort her. But yeah. again, where were they throughout this entire time? I'd, I'd turn around and be mad enough they weren't, if they were like, oh, but it's okay, it's okay, we're there for you. But they ha- they weren't there throughout the entire thing. I'd be mad yeah, spill enough. Yeah, spill the tea, spill the tea, Sarah. I agree. There are no you. pals. You did, you did say we don't stand for verbal abuse unless it's directed at Stephen Wilson. And Stephen, oh, yeah. I'm going to come to you next. Uh, because <laughs> at this point, AJ, she gets this character like, don't call me crazy. It's great. She's becoming one of the best things in WWE TV. And what elevates that is when she gets into this sort of love rhombus, as it were, uh, with <laughs> Daniel Bryan, <laughs> WWE Champion CM Punk, and the sexiest man in WWE history in Glenn, uh, Big Dirty Glenn Jacobs and Kane. Uh, what are your memories from this particular storyline? Oh, this was amazing. This is one of the... Uh, it, was, it was leading up to the No Way Out pay-per-view in 2012 now. The fact that these lot didn't main event in that pay-per-view is a sham. They main evented with John Cena and Big Show in a steel cage with John Laurinaitis's career on the line. That has <sighs> nothing on this, you know. But you got it, AJ, I mean, I know she's... Uh, Sarah's obviously Sarah will probably know about the book better than I do, but uh, she has mentioned in the she mentioned the book she didn't the, maybe the, the character at this point she probably wasn't a great idea. But you look at this triple threat match, you've got the WWE champion CM Punk, the hottest wrestler in the company at that point in time. You've got the guy who would become the next hottest wrestler in the company in Daniel Bryan, and you have a legend in Kane in a triple threat. And the standout in the feud is AJ. She just does yeah. some absolutely fantastic to, uh, work in the whole thing. And the whole thing, and I mean, getting Kane involved is great because that and that then brings Kane into the, the picture that kind of leads to the Team Hell No stuff, which helps push Daniel Bryan to the next level. She continues to get involved in that one. My only disappointment in it all, David, was in the blowout match between Punk and Bryan at Murray in the Bank in 2013. I don't mm. think they pull it off very well. I think it's kind of a flat finish to the whole programme. And then she just gets chucked into this whole wedding and GM thing that you'll probably talk about in a week. Ah, yeah, we'll hold that there because there's a very important question, Stephen, that I need to ask Tom. Now, Tom, I want you to take real life out of this. All right, this is purely cave, my friends. All right, this is who's the daddy. All right, out of these three, which relationship do you ship? Should it have been AJ and Punk? Should it have been AJ and an abusive ex, Daniel Bryan? Or should she have went with Kane? Tom, give us your verdict on this very important issue. As a ma- as much of a CM Punk fan 
as I was, it's got to be Kane. That's yeah. got to be Kane. <laughs> That's got to be Kane. <laughs> oh, you couldn't help but get behind Kane. It was just Hello. like, he came, out, he came out of absolute left field. It was just like, he would just done that stuff with uh, Cena. The whole trying to turn them to the dark side thing, and then they just stuck them in this random love triangle. You're like, yeah, I can, go, I can dig that. <laughs> like, see, CFAJ is Meryl Streep. Kane is the bill in this scenario. Yeah. He's the guy with the boat. He's clearly the sexiest of the three. He can't sing, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, neither can Piers Brosnan, so it's fine. Um, but Tom, I'll stick with you since I gave you such a ridiculous question. Um, obviously, Brian proposes to AJ after this. She says yes, but she's not saying yes to him because at Raw 1000, Vince McMahon comes out. And he says that AJ Lee is the new general manager of Raw. Tom, holistically, what do you remember about AJ's stint as Raw GM? Were you a lover of it or were you not so keen on it? Tell us some of your favourite memories from this uh, particular so, point in time. So I've, I've seen very little of this um, mm. because this is, this is just slightly before I came into watching regularly. Um, I've, I've gone back and I've watched, watched bits and stuff like that. It's what it's again. It's something that helped cement her as a character, and it kept her on regular TV when they very clearly didn't have very much for her to go in the way of direction. And it and it's it certainly worked in that response of keeping her fresh in everyone's mind and giving her a new perspective. The the one the one thing I do remember is when the heel turn came in, and Heyman proposing to AJ. I remember that being absolute pure genius. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just the idea. The idea of that should have been that should have been my answer for the, the previous question. <laughs> I should have been no. They're they're having the wrestling wedding, but Heyman comes in right at the end and sweeps her off her feet. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's one of that. It, it worked for what it was. It worked for what it was. It what it's. There's better things coming down the line that I'm sure we're going to get into and stuff. But like the general manager stint. Um, it, it kept her fresh and it showed that she could do other things other than just be the character that we'd already perceived her as, which is what you always need to be in WWE. A hundred percent. And I think, Billy, the important thing is he gave her, like, like Tom saying, TV time, but also mic time, because that was something that wasn't really afforded to a lot of women in the division at this point. Um, and AJ was getting week after week, segment after segment, the putting together of sort of Team Hell No, we're sending them a therapy interactions with Vicky and, um, and Paul Heyman, as Tom's already alluded to. And this was, I think, what set her ahead of the pack when it came to the women at this time was that she could tell any story she was given on the mic and she was really captivating to listen to. Absolutely, she was given that trust, which it's it was hard at that time for any woman to get uh, if you weren't a Bella or, or something like that, uh, to be trusted to do anything. Even then, you shouldn't trust the Bellas to do much. Uh, but yeah. uh, hey, hey, Belly, <laughs> let's calm the ham here. All right, let's calm the ham. Uh, but yeah, that, they gave her plenty of, of opportunity and she just grabbed them with, with both hands. Uh, I mean, she spent that time, of course, with, with guys who could talk like CM Punk and and uh, legends who could offer advice like the Fanny Magnet himself, Kane. So you would be able to, to at least pick their brains and, and Paul Heyman interactions with them, Vicky Guerrero, who didn't seem to offer much, but he's got all this heat on her. So she was put in a position where she had all these people that could give her pieces of this puzzle to make the most of the opportunities, and she certainly did it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that 
like you said, Tom, the GM room served her for what it was, but Sarah, we moved into what was a very... People look back fondly in this point of AJ's career because she betrays Cena um, and sides with Dolph Ziggler and the new client that comes into the fold, Big E Langston. Now, when you talk about trios in wrestling, like in stables that don't really get like enough credit or we don't look back on too fondly, this pairing... Uh, of Dolph, AJ and Big E was a really, really hot time for the careers of all three people involved. It was fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming off like the whole feud, it was um, John Cena with Dolph Ziggler. Um, that it just it brought something really, really fresh again because they had the romance angle in it with AJ and Dolph, which at this point in time, it's about what twenty. 2012, 2013 time, mm-hmm. and at, the, at this point it's just like, right, okay, what else are the female wrestlers going to do apart from be obsessed with the guys? But AJ's, no matter if you put her in a love triangle or even a love rhombus or a, a love anything, that she's going to make it work just because you, you can't believe that she's like either smitten or she's going to be evil and try and twist and turn. But having bring in Biggie as the bo- essentially the bodyguard, which at this point, he was hot off being the NXT champion, really, really hot in NXT, bringing him up and just having them be the muscle. Because when you look at Big E, he is a muscly, muscly boy. Mm. So you can believe it. And again, with Dolph being the, the sort of cowardly show off that he wants to be, it's, it's they all bounced off each other and it made it work. And the whole fact with like AJ basically saying that um, Cena toyed with her emotions and broke her heart, so she helped Dolph Ziggler break him. It was like it's like the perfect, you know, revenge plan against the next boyfriend. I mean, instead of you know, keying his car, or in the words of Carrie Underwood, taking a Louisville Slugger to both mm. headlights, you're gonna just like take the thing that want, like, they love the most, and that is championships. And maybe next time we think <laughs> before he cheats. What? Tune, man. Well, I love him. Uh, family Guy when Stewie starts singing that with such passion, you know, because it's a very passionate song. But you're right in what you're saying, Stephen. I think this comes back to what we talked about with AJ and Brian. When AJ is teamed with someone, whoever it is that she rubs shoulders with, they too will be elevated up the card. They too will get an extra rub on their character. And you're you're a huge fan of that Dolph Ziggler cashing. But Dolph Ziggler probably doesn't get to that point of popularity without AJ Lee at that time. Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement, David. I think uh, think with Dolph, just before it, I think he'd hit as far as he could with the Vicky stuff. I mean, Dolph was getting to a level of popularity that if you combined that with Vicky's heat, it just wasn't working. Whereas with AJ, she kind of had that... People still loved her, but she was a bad guy. And then... Obviously, AJ brings the biggest gift in wrestling, you know. Rand, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts brought us a python to Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage's wedding, but AJ tops it all and she brings Biggie into our world. Uh-huh. Oh, boy, man, man. What a gift he has been, you know. It's oh, even Biggie, better than, man. Slapping me. It's even better <laughs> the, moment, the moment in one of the entrances where Biggie's doing the whole flexing the muscles thing and he slaps on the face, just like, oh. <laughs> well, he actually broke her rib doing that. <laughs> No fucking wonder, he's the size of his arms. It's oh my god, oh my god, the man just sits at steak while Shane McMahon's doing a speech. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, it's funny to be fair, but, but Tom, during this whole thing, she wins the Divas title. 
and she's sort of distancing herself from Big E and she has the feud with Dolph in October 26th, August 26th rather. I notice I can't even read what month it is. I'm very excited about this next bit. <laughs> AJ interrupts the cast of Total Divas and she delivers what would become known as the Pipe Bombshell where she says that she's going to beat them all and says lines such as talent isn't sexually transmitted. It's a great, great promo and rightfully one that Tom is still talked about to this day in wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this set the bar. I think this this real this is probably the moment where, if you do look at AJ's career, this is the moment that propelled her into the top of the women's division. And you've got to look at like from this point on, she is arguably the top of the women's division, like by a long shot, mm. to the point that they do eventually have to start bringing people up to work with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think I think I think it's, it it played on those notions that that people kind of had about uh, it played it played on the stereotypes that people had, and it it turned into just a great piece of television. It took it all into the into a great piece of television, and it's she's probably arguably like probably the most successful cool heel of the modern era i think mm. if you look at it like in terms of like she's if you think about it she's got a lot of things going for her in the fact that she is if you look at what they want as a tough enough contestant aj is exact aj's career is exactly what they like she's the prime example of why they started tough enough in the first place of finding an ordinary person and then going on and doing the whole run of the mill and then um and then this is kind of similar to that in the fact that she's taken she's taken the idea of the cool heel that has never worked since 90s WCW and ran with it and worked at it every time yeah I like that I actually I really really like that comparison and I think you're right because a lot of people these days like they're either on ardently on the side of cool heels or there's people who are like you shouldn't like be like trying to get cheered like they should be doing everything they can to get booed there's sort of two schools of thought but she's she's doing yeah she's doing everything that she can to get booed Mm -hmm. but people are cheering her anyway yeah 100% yeah 100% and I think that's I think that's what made her different from the fact that neither side of that debate could criticise her was just how good she was you know objectively what your sort of ideology of what he should be doesn't matter at that point when she's so effective but billy there is a bit of a not a criticism but a quandary i present to you about this title reign because she goes up against all the cast of like total divas very many times the bellas all these people enter into a lot of feuds to mean as our bodyguard do you think though that the divas title reign of aj highlighted the problem that WWE had with our women's division at this time and that there could only be one spot and there was only one star and there was only one champion and it was hard for anyone who wasn't AJ at this point to really build themselves up as a character underneath her and get over in their own right. Do you think I'm being a bit harsh there or do you think that's fair? No, I, I, I think I pretty much agree with that because I mean, they've only got what five at that point. Was this was the hour Raws? I have no idea. But uh, they've only got five hours of television to film. Maybe maybe just have one woman. 
easy. That's that's it. But yeah, when 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 you do see who your opponent, the caliber of our opponents, I'm not going to slag off the bellas again. I've learned my lesson. But mm-hmm. uh, but Goodbye. the caliber of opponents, uh, like like Cameron, like Naomi wasn't there yet. She would mm-hmm. she would eventually be excellent in the ring, but just wasn't at that time. Uh, who else? Natalia, the black hole of charisma. We've got uh, <laughs> Layla. Oh my god, <laughs> um, Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin was fine but she wasn't it just I think we're spoiled now for mm-hmm. re- women's wrestling when we look back at 2010 and think I mean AJ herself wasn't the best in ring she carried it more with her charisma and her mic work and because nobody else got that chance everyone just looked absolute rubbish in comparison to her and that's why she's the best I think the reason why she didn't get booed really is because her insults were never directed at the audience as far as I can remember they're always directed to our opponents, which, for good or for bad, was the reason why people didn't take offence to her because they weren't only insulting us; they're insulting yeah. the people of on Total Bellas. So, uh, yeah, it's. I don't think anyone else got a chance, but I don't think it's her fault. She just took all the opportunities, opportunities she could, and good on her. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there's a there's a definite comparison you can make with AJ and what Alexa Bliss went on to do. But maybe where Bliss became a more effective heel is doing what you're saying, Billy. Like she went after the fans uh, as well as her opponents. While well, you like you say, like you say, AJ, so you're sort of punching up at what she viewed as the privileged uh, sort of reality show types that she was up against in the division. And indeed, she beats the entire division at WrestleMania 30, which brings us on to the Raw after. No, it doesn't, because we're going to go back in time. We're doing a time warp again, because something else is a brewing. Something else is happening at this point when AJ is dominating the division. Sarah, back in the early days of ESSR, you made your name talking about NXT, doing those takeover previews. You loved it, and don't worry, I'm not going to end this again by talking about the game show NXT, because we're going right back to the early days of when it was rebanded as the developmental territory and we got the NXT that we came to know and love and Paige was one of the cornerstones debuting in the third episode of that rebooted NXT. What do you remember the first time that you saw Paige wrestle in NXT? Did you think that she had the ability to be a star that she would become? Were you into it from the very beginning? Tell us your initial thoughts of Paige. Um, well, see, I'd, I I was aware of who Paige was. Um, obviously, like any sort of wrestling fan in the in the UK, are aware of the Knight family. Um, obviously, they're not considered like royalty, but they are a very well known family within the UK wrestling industry. Um, so, and I had seen Paige wrestle every now and again uh, watching Shimmer. So I, I knew what she was capable of. Obviously, like I remember her like 2010 style page where it's just like the emo side sweat fringe and like that sort of stuff like so to see her evolve to being like the sort of like wee gothic lady like it was a girl with the raven hair that everyone would obviously refer to her and and i thought like i knew that she probably could be a star it was just it was a shame that she started off maybe a little bit rocky and then once it got to about September era she started going on her winning streak and um, to this point like when when we were all thinking yeah there's they're gonna have to introduce a women's championship at some point because they've brought um, like 
pages around. You've got Emma's been like there, Aksana, you remember her from the NXT show. And um, that great wedding that, that Billy brought up earlier on, don't forget. <laughs> and the great it's wedding. Dust. <laughs> but we're also people like Alicia Fox. Now, Alicia, we already knew her from being like the first African American uh, Divas champion and her work on the main roster, Natalia as well. So when they started bringing all these other women through to feel safe, to, like to actually like do the tapings and do um, stuff with all the all the women that are in NXT, you had a feeling that they were going to start introducing a women's championship at some point. Um, but that doesn't even take away from anything of the the great feud that was Summer Rae and Paige in NXT. <laughs> like Summer Rae, man, that's a uh, time. It's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Long time. That, like, that, poor, that poor woman, she got in between God's greatest couple. Yeah. 100%. 100%. But Stephen, we talk about that. She had a feud with Summer Rae. She was doing great. But there, there's someone I know that you're itching to talk about here. There's someone I know that you love, and that's Emma. You know, Stephen, you, you've talked about how you love Emma. Emma is overlooked and underrated. And when people talk about the, the women's revolution in WWE, there's different points they talk back to. Was it really Stephanie McMahon who revolutionized women's wrestling? You know, <laughs> I don't think we all buy into that, you know, but we could point back to what the work that Paige and Emma were doing in NXT. Obviously, both make the finals of the tournament uh, to become the first ever NXT women's champion. And we get this this first sort of NXT uh, pay-per-view, NXT arrival, where Paige once again defends uh, the title against Natalya. Um, but it's really that match with Emma for the NXT Women's Championship that cemented Paige as the one to watch, as the one who could come up and do something on the main roster. Do you think that's, that's fair to say? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've been quite vocal. Uh, at points, I mean, everybody knows how much I mark Armand for Becky Lynch and her rise up the roster, how uh, much the four horsewomen side of NXT was amazing, but the women's revolution, or revolution, I can never remember what the, the word they use <laughs> to describe it, but that was built on Paige and Emma, because you've got Paige, I mean, Paige, let's be brutal, at this point in time, she's 21, 22, so she's very young, but her name, she'd she was a buzz on the independent scene just before coming in. I mean, Sarah mentioned her work in Shimmer. There's a match, David, that you would love from, I believe, Volume 44, where mm-hmm. she shakes on Jessica Mackay. Oh, Billy Kay. Billy Kay. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Billy yeah. Kay coming in. Iconic. Hey, yeah. Kayla. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> from uh, right, volume, volume 43 of Shimmer. You need to go back and look up, David. You'll probably find it. 100%. And, it, and, we've also, and then we've got Emma, who, character-wise, was amazing in NXT. Such a simple gimmick. She just comes out and dances, but she's so bloody good at it. And then they just completely fucking butcher her by putting her with fucking Santino in the main roster. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah the two of them just clicked very well in in-ring. I mean, the best feuds are ones that click. I mean, Sasha Banks and Bailey is a classic example. Anytime they go at it, they click. You can put them in front of 10 people in a bingo hall, like the Miz instructs Daniel Bryan to do and they would bomb and tear the house down. Paige and Emma were were similar. See if Paige gets cleared, which we may talk about later on, and she shows up in the Impact Zone, faces Emma. I will delete every single one of my other on-demands, subscribe to Impact, and just watch that match on repeat. 
You should be subscribed <laughs> to Impact anyway. No, I need to sacrifice something. <laughs> 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 see, that was so... How dare Japan. you? I'm, 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 I'm getting Part of Madison and Caleb need... with a K right now are just amazing. I yeah, think... I'm not talking about I... them, I'm talking about Paige. This is Hogpod. I know that you're going on a Marvel binge, and I, I don't think that Laura would be happy with you for deleting Disney Plus. So I would choose your words carefully. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> time, Stephen. I will not delete. I will delete the wrestling ones if it happens. I have not deleted <laughs> Disney Plus. That is great value for money. Where else will watch every single Avengers in a day? <laughs> well, this is hard. I don't think it's possible to do that. But anyway, I digress. Like, we're moving on because we're, we're finally up to where. We left off. Tom is the night after WrestleMania 30, and AJ Lee uh, has made her title defense. She said, "I've conquered the entire women's division," and we get that huge pop when Paige's music hits, and she comes out. And AJ says, "As a special post WrestleMania treat, I am going to put my title on the line." And at 21 years of age, Paige wins the Divas Championship and her first night on Monday Night Raw. Tom, talk us through this. What did this do for Paige's career to win the title on night one? I mean, this is this is one of the best uses of the night after WrestleMania, I think. I think this is such such a brilliant way to, de- to debut her. They'd, there was nothing they could do after that after that WrestleMania match where AJ literally beat every single woman on the roster. They had to bring someone in and it did such a brilliant thing of the fact that they could they could do anything. They reset the entire division because also the fact that you've got you've got the fact that Paige is on top but she's untested and unproven. And there is this idea they, they carried this idea of and they went too far with it and we're still saying it six weeks into a into a into a wrestling matches where they said Paige was a flash. People were concerned that Paige is a flash in a pan, but they they did that. But they did do that to establish it straight away, um, and it was it was such a re, a really great reset of the entire women's division, and it, it let AJ go out of the picture for a little bit, just come back fresh. But you also had that idea of like. You know that she's still the top heel in the in the division. Paige is beating all these people on the main roster, but when AJ comes back, you know she's at the top of the division. She's the one to to look out for, um, and it it was a really great starting block to come out of. Um, without going too further on my opinions on what goes further, but uh, yeah. it was it was a really like for coming out of the starting blocks and setting something off. It was really. I don't think they could have done it better. I really don't. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Billy Tom's talk there about what it did for Paige to to win the title here. But conversely, do you think this was the right time to end AJ's reign? Was she getting at the risk of getting a bit stale, it getting a bit cold? Do you think we needed a break from AJ Lee at this point? Well, at this point, what more could AJ do? She literally beat everyone at Wrestlemania so they had to bring someone in and, and she had built up that much of a of a standing by beating everyone else that she could automatically put all of her 
uh, could could pass the torch to Paige straight away. I mean, it's a moment, of course, that it's now in movies. What well, a movie fighting with my family, uh, mm. which I'm still I'm still annoyed about. They didn't cast anyone as Tamina, but no, it's a, it's a conversation for another day. <laughs> well, no one's but, Mina. Oh, no, no, I'm Mina with, I'm with So you. who are you going to cast? I'm with you there, Billy. I'm with you there. Just bring Tamina in. I, I mean, no. I don't. I, who who could you bring in? I don't know. I, I think the Renaissance uh, actor. I, I mean, this is a conversation for another day. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it had to be done because AJ. Well, at this point, was over three hundred days. Uh, no, am I right thinking that? Two ninety seven. Two hundred and ninety something. Yeah, I was close. Okay. Uh, so yeah, she was. She was. 285 I've got I've got some information in front of me that I wrote down but yeah so she she built up the stand in 295 days beating the everyone four other 14 other wrestlers and Rosa Mendez if she counts and she it could put all that onto Paige I mean yeah Tom's right they didn't really do much with Paige after that she was kind of like the plucky underdog still even though she'd beaten AJ but bro after WrestleMania is the reset so it's the perfect time to do it yeah 100% I think Tom's alluded to the what comes next maybe not being the best for Paige Sarah because our next pay-per-view defences came against Tamina uh, the aforementioned Tamina the who's meaner than Tamina Extreme Rules like she had to go on to face Alicia Fox at Payback um, Naomi at Money in the Bank these weren't exactly feuds or matches that set the world alight what do you think was was there anything missing from Paige as a character at this point or do you think it was the booking that held her back or potentially was it the fact that we'd already seen AJ beat most of this division throughout the last year that meant we just weren't really buying into any of the challenges at this point that AJ had to uh, the page had to face I mean when you look at the when you look at it right so first successful title defense Tamina Snuka our first like defeat obviously yeah became against Alicia Fox um, but that was a non-title match leading to the match at Payback boring and then Cameron like there's, there is a common denominator in there is that there was no strong female to put into a rivalry with Paige because at this point AJ was asking for time off and this is obviously why they had Paige win the night after WrestleMania so AJ could have some time off um, just to sort of stop being all burned out because even referring to her book she's essentially carrying this division on her shoulders and she says that like she's no scared to actually go ahead and say because unless you're the Bellas that in terms of wrestling she was carrying it on her back um, and she was the one that was putting everything on notice and trying to get them airtime um, not only her like the other two people that were trying to actually advocate for the women to get proper airtime was John Cena and CM Punk um, so, looking at it, it is definitely the booking. But again, we have also, we've already seen AJ Page. I mean, I've heard people refer to this as like very, very similar, if not, it's not even on the same level because we all love the Trish and Lita um, rivalry that went on for years. Like, see if this had been done right. And I think due to the timeline in both women's careers, this probably could have went. This like feud could have went on for mm-hmm. ages. Like, um, but w- looking at the the women that were there, the the only people that could actually maybe go up against Paige in a wrestling match would be Emma and possibly either of the Bellas. Like at that mm-hmm. point, just in terms of skill, or can actually you know hold their own in a wrestling match. I mean, at this point, you know Brie Bella was getting attacked by. 
kind of trying to <laughs> like that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think when you when you sit and look at it and like looking at all the the whole thing, it it, ma- it made oh, the way that I'm trying to think about describing it is the fact that it was to do with Paige's opponents and it it really made Paige look like not a weak champion but quite vulnerable mm-hmm. at the same time and um, because just because it was it, this is the way that it was happening and you're just like they've become the toilet break matches again yeah. when <laughs> this is before the whole divas revolution and you know give divas a chance um so yeah it, it they needed an extra like strong hand in that division um but it, it is a shame that yeah. I think they could have probably probably brought in like Emma or Nikki Bella a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. But they did not. What they decided to do, Stephen, we didn't have to wait too long for the return of AJ Lee. She came back the, the 30th of June episode of Raw and challenges Paige to a match. And she basically squashes her for, <laughs> to win back the Divas Championship. Now, considering that everything we've just talked about there, with regards to how Paige's initial Divas title run had went. Do you think it was the right decision to re-establish AJ as the top dog so Paige could develop her character outside of being champion for a bit? I think given what happened between the night after WrestleMania and that that Raw that you mentioned, David, I think it's the right call. Because if you look at that particular, the night that Paige wins the title, it's a fantastic moment, it's right, as Tom says, resets the division and should set on a new path. But the big issue they had with the Paige title win, as kind of Sarah alluded to, is the fact that she was made to look like a chump. You know, to use the phrase that Al McLucas loves to use. <laughs> uh, not deliberately. Because if you look at the classic example is the feud in the middle with Alicia Fox. That feud makes Alicia Fox look like such a dominant challenger over yeah. Paige. You've gone into that pay-per-view. I think it was uh, payback that year. And you're literally thinking, Alicia Fox is going to take the belt off of him. And you're like, yeah. no, I don't want that to happen. Because the thing because Paige was so good at NXT, as we've mentioned, and the fact that that's kind of what you were feeling in that programme, she was then chucked into those ones with Naomi and Cameron. There was, they did absolutely nothing to establish her as this person who came in and took the NXT women's division by the scruff of the neck. Even the way they kind of introduced her on that Raw, when she debuts, is kind of like, oh, there's Paige from NXT. It's like, right, can you tell us more about Paige? Who's Paige beaten? Who's Paige done this? Blah, blah, blah. So I think they they realised that they'd made a muck here. And so mm-hmm. had to then reset the reset. And the only person they could do the reset with was AJ Lee, because as we've mentioned throughout this show, between AJ Lee first winning the belt and AJ winning back the belt, there was not many women in the division. That that 14-woman match at WrestleMania 30, you had Aksana, you had Summer Rae, Rosa Mendes, who I've mentioned quite a lot, and other people seem to mention as well. There was no one else there. Emma, I love Emma, but she was not established on the main roster to take the title back. Unless you give it to Bellas, but at this time the Bellas were occupied with their feud with Stephanie. So there was yeah. no really any place for the Bellas in there. The only option they could do is put the belt back on AJ or try to resurrect Paige as champion, which I think yeah. they were never going to do and actually taking the belt off of her and then going into the, the, what happened next was probably the best thing for Paige. 
100%. And what happened next, Tom, was we saw this sort of frenemies storyline play out. Were they tag team partners? Were they really friends? Or was it all an act? We've seen Paige uh, lose again to AJ Lee at Battleground, but then she turned heel on her the next night. Ah, the classic double cross uh, where she takes her out. And this sets up the match at SummerSlam where Paige eventually beats AJ to win the Divas Championship. Now, Tom, I don't know how much of this match you've seen, but did this feel to you like maybe not on the scale of the WrestleMania, like the raw after WrestleMania in terms of the fan reaction, but in terms of establishing the character that Paige was maybe better suited to play, did this feel like a better coordination for her or a worse one compared to the first one? So this is this is kind of weird because I was watching this entire run the other night in preparation for this and then from post-match and I think I got up to the SummerSlam match and it's it's so weird because again it comes into this this whole conversation that we've been having about um, not developing the sort you can tell after the Raw after WrestleMania that they're really trying to develop women's characters like they're they're trying to repackage people they're trying to repackage Alicia Fox they're trying to repackage the Funkadactyls into separate performers but they're doing it all in 15 minutes on every Raw. They're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it all in one segment, so you lose. So someone ends up having to lose their character development in favor of the other, and for some reason, it seems to be Paige a lot on these TVs. Like the frenemies idea is a good idea, essentially, is what what they were doing um, in the in the whole like who's going to be the one to turn with the idea? Because again, they. I don't think I don't think they screwed it up so much. I don't think that they they screwed. I don't understand fully why they went with Paige as the heel when AJ felt like the more natural heel for me in this in this pairing. But they they'd very clearly decided they wanted Paige to be the heel and they wanted it to be that they didn't know who the heel turn was going to be from. Was it going to be AJ turning on Paige? But they did it in a week. Like they they did it they did it in one week rather than two week two weeks three weeks four weeks even to lead up to SummerSlam for some reason they they debuted the frenemies idea literally the week before Battleground and it makes no sense as to why they did it because they had them in a tag match with the Funkadactyls the week before and all of the TV time went to uh, Naomi and Cameron doing their breakup. Um, it's it's a it's a weird a weird idea. Um, it played like the battleground match is a really solid match as well. Um, it's a bit of a shame how long it had to come for them to have the first one, and then it's one of the point where it just sort of like where they get to this point where it's like the booking sort of gone a bit out of control, and it's like this is nice, but there's really nowhere else it can go at this point because. SummerSlam is a really solid match, and I and it goes. They could have gone at least another five minutes over than what they went at SummerSlam. Like there was still gas in the tank on that match. It's a really, really solid wrestling match, but it just feels like at that point it runs out of gas completely. And that's obviously then they get to the point where they've got to bring someone new in entirely to the feud because they yeah. they just ran out of gas just by trying to cram so much booking into 15 minutes every week on a three-hour television show. Yeah, and I think, Dilly, we can hear the sort of frustration in Tom's voice there when he's talking about this feud because it's it's no coincidence 
that this happens like less than a year before the sort of give divas a chance movement kicks into gear because we are seeing performers and specifically focusing on the agent AJ and page rivalry here who can go and who would make magic much more magic if really truly given the chance to shine and it seems like we had the makings of something that would have been an all-time feud as as sarah alluded to earlier referencing trish and Lita. But they were never really given the full spectrum from WWE to really do something with that. Do you think that that's fair? Are there any other sort of comments about the nature of women's wrestling at this time? Well, we've already mentioned why it didn't work. Because they only had time in that five hours of wrestling a week to focus on one woman. And at the time, it was the Bellas and their feud with Stephanie McMahon. There we go. That's it. They, they, there was no time. They didn't have any any brain power to think. Oh, maybe we should we should do something else with other women at all as well. Um, they were like, no, no, we need to do new Stephanie and the Bellas and, and all that kind of stuff. So we mentioned why it didn't work because at the time they only wanted to concentrate on one woman's story at a time, and this one was was pushed to the back burner. Which it doesn't make sense because it's Paige and AJ has got this kind of similar thing when they came in. They've got a, they've got something different about them. AJ came in as the nerd, uh, as the as the the one that all the young girls can go, oh, I see myself in her. Paige came in as the goth girl, the the anti-diva, the pasty white with the black hair, unlike anything else. And yeah, it was just, it's just a, it just didn't, it didn't give divas a chance because they, they only concentrated on one at a time. So it's, it's yeah. frustrating, but uh, that's just that was 2000 and what was it 2013 2014 yeah oh God, years all merged into one at this point <laughs> so long but uh yeah it, it's that just that just speaks about 2004 2010 2014 in general that you've got one woman one woman's story that's it that's your fill for 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 a week uh, for a hundred percent a hundred percent it just sucked it just sucked the women's division at this point let's be brutally honest <laughs> Fair, we can all go home, ladies and gentlemen. All right, thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, but Sarah, like we're talking about, AJ uh, Lee was uh, the sort of the focal point that they wanted, the focal point that they'd had for years, and the Bellas were coming out of this rivalry with Stephanie McMahon. So naturally, they felt, oh, we don't really have room for Paige, so let's have her drop the title right back to AJ Hell in a Cell, and then she sort of flounders a bit. Um, like she's in Survivor Series and then she's sort of getting involved with the Bellas and Natalia again after this but I think it's safe to say that, that post the AJ rivalry and before the alliance with AJ it's really a, a period of Paige's career that we don't really remember or look back on too fondly Yeah, I mean especially after this, like it wasn't even this is after AJ had left the company so they're just like ah oh, crap it's just it's now the Bellas are dominating absolutely everything um, so and it's like well, we need someone to go up against them ah you know Paige she's not been doing anything let's put Paige in Paige is now the young she's the younger version of AJ it's gonna be fine it'll all work like that is pretty much their mentality it's like ah fuck it <laughs> off it out, out you go it's like, just do it we all know that when things happen in WWE, sometimes it can happen on the night. Sometimes it, things can happen five minutes before like a segment's changing. You're like, where the fuck is Paige? Chucking her out in her gear and just going, have fun. <laughs> Try your best. Yeah. Right, you've got, you've got ten minutes. Off you go. Make some magic. Like, 100%. 
that's yeah. exactly what it was. So, like, to get through this basic, like, first half of the year, really, because it was, like, in the six months, it was, like, um, what? Became a, became a baby face for, like, rescuing Natalia from, you know, an assault by Nikki Bella. And it's like, ooh, this leads to a match on main event. Paige won the main event match. Right, now, tag match at the Royal Rumble. Crap, the Bellas have won that. Um, um, what are we going to do now? You know what? Let's put Paige in a title match against Nikki. Uh, what was happening? What was happening? Uh, oh, you know what? AJ's back for like a little bit more time. Tag match at WrestleMania. This is this is gold. We're going to bring the frenemies back together and have them up against the Bellas at WrestleMania. And you're like, Ehh. well, see. To be fair, you say that, but like, to, when we got this tag match, now, Stephen, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but because these four women had been that one woman we focused on it did feel like these were the four biggest female stars that WWE had at that time genuinely so Mm. to see AJ Lee and Paige on one side and the Bellas on the other and them actually having what was it wasn't like a one-on-one match for the title at Mania but it was better than the sort of multi-women battle royal type shenanigans we'd seen in years prior like this did feel like somewhat of a step up for the women at wrestlemania at wrestlemania 31 do you do you agree with that i think you're right yeah i think it begins the shift into what the women's division has become now because you mentioned that the year before we had the battle royal the 14 women battle royal and then you look the year after that we get what many people still class as the best women's match at WrestleMania of all time, the triple threat between Sasha, Becky and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So it is that beginning of the, you know, the movement. And you're right, if you have to put, you want to give something, you know, because you don't want to just go like, like we're going to chuck everything again, because that's kind of the mentality that started with the Andre Battle Royals. Yeah. That? Just the idea of let's just chuck these people on the card for a, for, a, for no reason, just to get a WrestleMania payday. But no, you need to have something of substance, especially on, that, on this WrestleMania. Because looking back, the, uh, the WrestleMania 31 card is stacked from top to bottom. It's pretty much one of the most consistent WrestleManias I've done in the last decade. So the cat, if you if you chuck a, a women's multi multi match there, it's just not going to cut it between Triple H and Sting and Rusev coming out in a tank. It's just mm. not going to It's just not going to cut the mustard. So they yeah. give these four the platform because it is essentially the kind of year in the making. I don't want to talk about the Brie Bella heel turn. It's, it's, a, it's a different show than that you've done before, David. I wasn't on uh, it. It's was a great show. I hate. Yeah, I, hate <laughs> I don't know. I don't hate the show. The show was good, but I, I hate the heel turn. The heel turn's terrible. It's just so bad. But it's yeah, it's perfectly done. It's the right move. I think what the, the main issue is kind of what Sarah was mentioned leading up to it with the whole let's just chuck page here, page here, page here. Because if you start looking at Paige's career from here till the middle of 2016 when she goes in the hiatus, they're just chucking it in random stuff. Yeah. I mean, she just randomly kind of leads out the NXT roster on that one night on Raw. Like, you know, why is she doing that now? She could have done that at this point, at the point coming before WrestleMania. It made a lot more sense, but she does it a wee bit later. It's just like, yeah, yeah that's, obviously that's going to be, that's a completely different kettle of fish. But no, I think, yeah, you're, you, to summarise, David, you are perfectly right. You put these, get them on. It's a decent match. Seven minutes long. Isn't perfect. Isn't, you know, a classic. But it's, for the card that's on, it does the job and it's not bad, which is good. Yeah, 
Rusev had sex in that tank, if you hadn't heard. Uh, right, yeah, they, had, they literally had to follow DX and NWO limping to the ring <laughs> and help stay in Triple H. I mean, from a spectacle point of view, I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever the NWO helps stay. But from a spectacle point of view, you have to follow that. It's like the poor guys had to follow Blumen Rock and Hogan and to a lesser extent at WrestleMania 18. It's just like, yeah, you just do what you can and go. Yeah, well, well, Tom, what do you think of the match itself? Because I know she has that that six women tag the next night on Monday Night Raw, but for all extents and purposes, this was AJ Lee's last big, big final hurrah. You know, on a big stage at WrestleMania. We've discussed earlier in this show the work that AJ Lee had done for the women's division and the spot that she had put herself in. Do you think that this tag match against the Bellas and this feud was the right way for AJ to go out? Or do you think that they should have done something else with her at WrestleMania 31? I'll let you in on a little secret here, David. Mm. WrestleMania WrestleMania 31 is probably one of my all-time favourite WrestleManias. I agree with you. To this day, I have never seen the AJ Lee Page and Nikki Bella, uh, Bella Twins tag match. I've really? never seen. I have never something has. Whenever I've sat down to watch WrestleMania 31, every single time something comes up, whenever it gets to that match, and I've just let it play on. I've just never got round to actually sitting down and watching it, which to me sums up the direction that this feud ended up going in. Just because it is basically, and I hate to use a Great British Break Off uh, reference, it's. It's the middle of the run icing on a middle of the run bake off cake. Like it's just that's that's where it ends up. It's it could have been something so perfect and it could have been a real like new turn of development. And Nikki Bella's title run is one of hands down my favourite title runs in uh, this era of WWE. Like I think she did a phenomenal job as the women's mm-hmm. champion. But yeah. as as what this was meant to be, as a big blow off match, it just it just doesn't hit that spot at all. Yeah, and I think yeah. well, that's that's interesting. Like I think I'm kinder to the match and the feuds that we got at WrestleMania time than all you guys are. But I, I respect that it, it did feel like a lot of the things uh, the women did in this era sort of half boiled, half baked. Um, but going back to it, Billy, AJ is gone. She's finished. She's left. All right, she's away. Forget about her forever. Do you think that... Do you lament the fact that AJ Lee felt she had to leave WWE at this point? Do you think there was more to do with AJ? Or do you think the presence of AJ going forward into what we're going to see next in the next steps of the women's division would have hampered it because of the way that WWE creative had relied on her solely as the face of that division for so long? Ah, um... You know, I have, I have kept, like said a little bit uh, that, that AJ, I don't think, was a good wrestler overall, but her, Mike Quirk carried it. I think when what was coming up afterwards, not that she was bad by any stretch, but she was she was good in a pile of rubbish wrestlers. So <laughs> it made her look better. But when, when the women's revolution came and you're getting the ones that they, they've honed and molded in NXT, like Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha and the, the four horsewomen. Um, I think if she didn't do 
a manager or commentary or an on-screen presence but not wrestling I think she would have brought something but I think in the ring I think she done all she could with what she was given um, I will say though her crumple physics are insane much like Lita um, that, that we've mentioned already but yeah I also think she would have either been she would have been hampered in the Moon's Revolution because people would have realised oh she's really good talking but her work isn't as good as Charlotte and mm-hmm. I think leave the memories and all, alone and all that she was great in the time that she was in with people that were not as good as, as her and you don't want to, to go back and go oh she wasn't really that good because she was in the ring with all these this, the four horsewomen so I think she got out at the right time would have would it be better to have a bit more of a fanfare sure it would have been great because much like Tom there I forgot that match even happened uh, between the, the Bell Twins and Paige and AJ Lee because it was between Triple H and Sting and John Cena and Rusev who's yeah who's going to remember that match unfortunately but uh, yeah. I just want to say quickly that, that Rusev did have sex in that tank I've heard it's heavily rumoured yes yeah. no no but not rumoured he said he had sex R- Rusev, apparently had, Rusev apparently has sex a lot if you watch Dynamite it's pretty much a weekly feature he had sex <laughs> in Fuente del Sol's car mm-hmm. and the tank and uh, the tank <laughs> so I think that's very clear yeah. But, but yeah, but, what, what I'm saying is, I, I think she got out at the right time. She got out, but like I said, would have would have been good if it was a bit more fanfare. But she got out just when she needed to. Well, Billy's channeling fuel will leave the memories alone, he says. But Paige's career in WWE continued past this point. We're going to go through some of the cliff notes of that year. Like, obviously, we had the women's revolution. We've covered that in our four horsewomen shows. But something that was very controversial, Sarah, was the end of the submission sorority. Sorry, Team PCB. <laughs> um, that classic faction uh, of this year. Um, Charlotte beats Nikki for the title um, at Night of Champions and the next night Paige cuts a, a promo turning heel tells Becky she's the least relevant of all of them which is probably true at that point uh, much to Stephen chagrin uh, and, yeah, <laughs> and also brings up um, Charlotte's dead brother uh, yeah during this rivalry and uses the real life tragedy of his death uh, to try and get under Charlotte's skin now Ric Flair has it commented saying this was not something that was run by him and he was hurt by it what are your what's your attitude towards this promo that Paige delivered uh, where she essentially mocked the death um, of Charlotte's brother the promo was actually kind of half decent up until that point um, for for her turning around and like doing like the classic you know psych it's like oh yeah no this all it's like you this wouldn't have been possible without me you're like okay classic classic that's a classic psych you know it's like the i'm really really sorry for absolutely nothing like that's the same on the same level and um, but to bring up somebody's dead brother i mean speak from personal experience having someone bring up a dead relative to hurt you i mean yeah it, it's going to get under your skin it's going to get heat but like I, like i said on one of our previous shows about the way that like Max Caster gets himself heat um, for AAW, it's essentially like using real life things that are like either in bad taste a little bit too soon or a combination of both. 
Um, whereas that one, was, it was definitely in bad taste because if you're going to do it, at least give them a heads up. Like, you, you should. I know that WWE do the writing, but surely you would let the wrestlers talk amongst themselves and go, right, is this going to be too far? I don't want to actually like hurt your feelings because you've seen in a lot of backstage videos that they are like a big family sometimes. Um, so you don't know if this is legitimately Paige wanting to just be a dick, if she's a bit of a, if she is a bit of a bitch. Um, or it was genuinely the writing. You don't yeah. know um, and until like somebody actually comes clean and admits it, and um, you're never gonna know. So yeah. there, there comes a bit where you just you need to not blur the lines between well, kayfabe and reality. But this is the reality era, Sarah. I'm going to stay with you because I know you're a fan of this show. Total Divas. Uh, Paige, Paige became a cast member on Total Divas. Now inform the uninformed. Uh, inform these simpletons on the panel who, <laughs> are, who are, don't have the refined taste that we do. You know, are oh, connoisseurs of reality television. What, what, what was Paige like uh, when she appeared <laughs> on Total Divas? I mean, the way that she described herself was sort of like the hot mess. But there were some times that I really related with Paige, like her lying on the floor when she got a pizza. She's like, oh my god, this pizza's so good! Uh, and she's lying on the floor, basically giving an orgasm over this pizza, and I'm like, I feel ya, I've been there. Maybe not with the pizza like, on the floor with the orgasm, but that feeling of eating something that's so damn good, you're like, oh, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, so, 100%. But, when that explained like a lot of her like her relationship with her mum, you were just like, I can see why she's a little bit off her head because Sabrina is a little bit off her head. Um, like the relationship with Kevin and it's like, I don't want to be fucking engaged, Kevin. It was like one of the most infamous lines. But she likes to stir the pot on Total mm. Divas. Like, that's what I always found. She was very, very sneaky and liked to stir the pot. Um, especially when it came to talking about stuff. Like she would always like, Dewey pranks or all this sort of stuff, but it just really showed her kind of immaturity in a way. Mm -hmm. When you see like all the other women are like in their thirties and Paige is like in still in her early to mid twenties, you can really really see the immaturity in her. So yeah, that that's basically you know for you uncultured swines out there that don't appreciate total divas. Um, that was basically what Paige was, like primarily throughout the season mm -hmm. that she was a main cast member on, um, up until like when she decided to, you know, well, when they, she was not asked back. It's not when they decided to leave, it's when Ego, ah, bye, <laughs> I yeah. don't want you. A hundred percent. And the, the, the thing is that we had a run here, Stephen, where she has that feud with Charlotte and then she's involved in the sort of Total Divas match at Mania 32. But then she gets injured and she's off TV and she's off TV and it comes at a point where there's a lot of rumours surrounding her, her relationship with Del Rio at this point. She gets suspended for a wellness policy violation. Her mum's kicking shit up on Twitter. Like, it felt, Stephen, like this could be the end of Paige because of what Sarah's talking about, because of the immaturity, because of things happening behind the scenes. And I know for myself as a fan, it, it was very frustrating because she was a character that we wanted to see on television and in that women's division. Like, what what do you remember from this really troubled point in Paige's career? Yeah, it was like, 
You were literally waiting for the tweet to come out that said WWE has agreed terms to release Page. You know, you were waiting for it because you just felt like something was going to happen. I'm not going to dig too much in the Del Rio stuff because it's a fucking minefield from what mm-hmm. I've read. I don't really want to come across like I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it's apparently an absolute minefield and it's. it's my boy is fair to say she was going through there was some troubles there at this point in time which is fair to say you mentioned the wellness policy stuff which you know I think she had about two violations in the space of six months which unless you're Randy Orton that usually means you get sacked (laughs) Uh, and then there was the neck injury stuff and then you know Saraya Knight I mean she's well played in fighting with her family I mean she's perfectly cast in that film you know by um, what's her face for Game of Thrones yeah yeah Shame, you know, whatever. I can't, I can't remember a character's name in Game of Thrones. You know, Cersei talk- Lannister. I'm here yeah, for you, Stephen. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we were we, we were bummed so much with the last season, David. We can understand. Uh, yeah, so it's just it's just so much. It's just like, yeah, this could you could be going down a really bad path, and you were worried about her, not just from a wrestling point of view, from a personal point of view, because there was some of the stuff that was coming out was was bad, it sounded really, really bad. And some of the stuff has come out there since then, so it's good that she's in, she seems to be in a decent place now. But that point in 2016 to 2017, you were really worried of where her life was gonna go down, not just her wrestling career. And the moment she eventually comes back, yeah, it's quite fulfilling in a way because it looked like at the age of 24, 25, her career was gonna go down the tube. And she's a great wrestler, that's the great thing about her. We we've not seen the full extent of her character in WWE, but in terms of wrestlers, she could hang with the likes of Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, you know, and probably run in the current era and be very successful in her multiple time championship range. Yeah, 100%. And I think Tom Stevens alluded to it there, the return. She comes back, it was a big surprise, the music hits during a match between Banks and Bailey and James and Bliss on the other side and it was a, everyone's so happy to see her and it, it debuts this great new group Absolution is Paige with with two people who she judged in the tough enough season then Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville like she's coming in here this looks like a great group like and then she gets injured and then she gets she gets injured again and it really sets her back like Tom this was this was a blow uh, in Paige's career because I don't know about you I think that Absolution could have had legs would you agree? Oh I think Absolution was one of the best ideas that they potentially put together um, for for a long time at that point I thought Absolution was Absolution was something I was completely behind um, again, I, it's one of them again it was always doomed to fail because you had too many things going on at the same time for the fact that you had the Riot Squad debuting at the exact same time for some unknown reason they decided to have two of the exact same faction on both of their shows that that just made no sense but absolutely I don't think there's ever been a better pairing of 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 talent in the last few years of of new talent with someone that knew knew the way to bring them in and stuff like that. I think Paige was Paige was great as a manager for those two for those two guys. And and again, it became a bit bit of an unknown reason as to why they swapped her on to the general manager role. Because I think Absolution was somewhere that had, Absolution had legs like for yeah. days. 
hundred percent. And I think like, she could have stayed as the heel manager even with the injury. But Billy, we see after she announces a retirement, like like Tom was saying there, she announces the general manager of SmackDown, uh, and she's over there doing her thing. And then she comes back as the manager uh, of the Kabuki Warriors, uh, oh, uh, Asuka and Kairi Zayn. And she also has a run on WWE backstage. Like, what what are your thoughts on? Page's role in WWE post-retirement. Do you really think they've made the most of what they could do with Page, or do you think it's for the best that maybe Page and WWE part ways at this point? Uh, I absolutely forgot about her being uh, introducing the Kabuki Warriors, so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the GM thing, though, that it was so weird. She lost her job as a GM because of Baron Corbin. I don't know what the opinion of Baron Corbin is on, on in this panel, but that was such a weird thing that they, she was doing a great job as Smack, as SmackDown GM. Like she was, she was there. She didn't yeah. like interject herself too much, which is what you wanted. She was like a perfect Teddy Long kind of. She'd come in yeah. if she needed to, and then she lost her role because because Baron Corbin, sorry Constable Corbin, was uh, absolute shite at his job. Uh, so <laughs> a bit weird. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know much much after she did I didn't watch backstage who, who watched backstage uh, but of course she kept her around because fighting with her family was coming out and we got the unfortunate page here uh, insert promo page <laughs> here I think that's why they took her off TV I think they took her off TV to promote that film David would, pro- David would probably best to tell you and MD else to be fair of MD here yeah well yeah Probably like the, when you watch a film, you have premieres. Obviously, you have press junkets and stuff like that. So they probably would have wanted her there, considering that she is like a, a media personality. And the fact, like, because there's some people who, if you make a real life story about them, you're not exactly going to want them in front of the camera. Because then you realise, oh, this is entirely fictional. Because you are like a charisma black hole, as Billy used to to describe Natalia earlier on. But I think it helps the fact that. They have Paige, who was actually someone who could promote the movie behind and was quite cool and quite a badass. So that made sense why they would want her on that press run. But like we've talked about Paige and where her career is going to go, and it's a shame that she retired. But like AJ's career wasn't done after wrestling, uh, Sarah. We know that you've read AJ's book uh, and her memoir um, that that she wrote after she retired. Now, what do you? What do you want to tell us about that book, uh, Crazy is My Superpower? Like, how did you find it as a read? And was there anything in there that we might be surprised to learn about AJ as a person? I mean, the entire book itself, I I was really surprised by it. Um, Because at this point, like, I I was familiar with AJ. I'd watched, like, some of her bark back and obviously I caught, like, the tail end of her career essentially, like when I first proper started watching. Um, so when she announced that she was, you know, writing a book, um, all ma- mainly to do with her mental illness. And obviously at this point I had been diagnosed with my own mental illnesses um, and it was very, very hard to sort of speak out about it and all this sort of stuff. So when she released her book, I thought it was mainly about that and just slightly about her career. Um, but it basically takes you ever since like her childhood, growing up in poverty, and then making her way through like being at uni, mental illnesses, and then her work in WWE and other things as well. Um, 
it was such a surprising read. Like, if anyone ever thinks about reading it, I would highly recommend it. I mean, I've not long finished it again, and I want to read it again because it is just so good. And the things that obviously surprised me the most, it wasn't even about AJ herself. It was, well, the, like, it was a fun fact that when she started at WWE, they didn't want her to have the name AJ Lee. They just wanted her to, to have the name AJ or something like that. But it was like the very, very last second before handing her submission form, she wrote Lee at the end of the submission form and handed it in. So obviously that just came about by pure chance. And the other thing that, again, that I mentioned earlier was it was the fact that the people that were advocating for women to get more time on the air, this is even before CM Punk began a romantic relationship with her, um, was CM Punk. And you're like, and, and obviously John Cena, which we know that John Cena does like to speak up about things in the company, but Punk was one that really, really surprised me. And this wasn't even to do with the fact that they were involved. Like Punk would always just call her kiddo, which was a bit strange considering obviously now that they're married. Um, but it's it's such an eye-opener to see like the struggles that she went through, literally, because you see some people, I would say like Charlotte, that would instantly, I don't even know if Charlotte had a tryout or anything, but she just went from university playing volleyball straight to being a product of WWE, um, whereas this was like a different point of view coming through the Indies, um, being like the fact that she was trained by Jay Lethal, and growing up having to like queue for like even nosebleed seats um for like a wrestle like for a raw or a wrestlemania but mm-hmm. watching the journey from being like an underweight skinny 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 child um to going through the indies and then i think it was two or three tries to even get anywhere near fcw um and then when she finally got there obviously like the the trials and tribulations of what it was really like as well as that is actually mirrored in the Bellas book mm-hmm. when they were going through all that stuff in SCW. It does mirror quite a lot, but it does focus on, like, especially there's a big highlight on the unstable girlfriend angle that they did. Um, and that was something that she was really, really unhappy with and she voiced that. But Vince McMahon just loved the crazy, apparently. Mm-hmm. Fair. And uh, Stephen, to switch gears to something Paige has done outside of WWE, we've talked about it briefly, Fighting With My Family 2019, released, directed by uh, Stephen Merchant, uh, who, and obviously yeah. produced by The Rock, uh, stars of Florence Pugh, who's went on to do a lot of work in the Academy Award-nominated actress, uh, and Vince Vaughn as well, uh, is in this movie, who I used to dislike Vince Vaughn, but I've kind of warmed to him recently. I really enjoyed Freaky uh, when it came out. But what were your thoughts of Fighting With My Family? A brief review... Uh, from Stephen Wilson himself, a film connoisseur over here. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as a film connoisseur, David, but you know, you're, you're the best man to judge on that, so I'll give you the benefit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. I, I really liked it. Coming into it from a wrestling fan, seeing the whole, because I knew the journey of Paige, I was quite interested to see how they were going to portray it. Vince Vaughn is pretty much like, what's his face, came in canon, whether that guy is and releases everybody who got released himself recently. <laughs> he's essentially that guy for it, and he's a perfect guy for it because other than Dodgeball and Wedding Crashers, he plays a dick in a lot of movies, and he does yeah. it quite well. Uh, yeah, I think the cast, as you mentioned, are great. Florence Pugh, you know, she's brilliant in a lot of stuff she's in. I think she's going to be the, the British version of Zendaya, the way she's going, mm. you know, which is, we, I know we've talked about how much 
with our fans in there. Oh, that's never, brilliant. Never pronounce her name right, but but yeah. the, the 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 best thing though is, as I mentioned, the casting of the parents. You know, the the night parents. You know, you've got Lena Lena Henry, Hedy, Lena Hedy, who's great as uh, Sweet Soraya, and uh, Rowdy Ricky, played by Nick Frost. Oh, Nick Frost is just, he's an absolute nut man. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, not Nick Frost, eh? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff, it's, it, it really is. See when you watch it, see if you watched it and not knowing anything about wrestling, you would think, you would just watch it start to finish, not question a single thing. But see, as a wrestling fan, you sit there watching it going, why, what is Rock doing in the backstage a bit with the NXT folk at WrestleMania 20? <laughs> I mean, he was just, he went out with Hulk Hogan at the start of the show and then left, you know, it's just like, the, the Rock clearly shoehorns himself in there, sitting off. He's like, I'm producing this. I'm going to be the one who said I discovered her. It's like, yeah, Rock, you didn't meet her. I try it. But there's other stuff. She didn't dye her hair. She never dyed her hair. There's other stuff in it, you know, like the wrestling cameos are quite good as well. Uh, as Billy mentioned earlier on, the lack of Tamina takes it from a four star to a three and a half. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good watch. I, I I really did enjoy watching it. It's been that long since I watched it. I would love to go rewatch it because, like most people, pre-pandemic feels like a decade ago. So yeah. it's only out in 2019 as well. So it's just like, yeah, I sh- I'd love to go back and rewatch it with a, a nice. fresh pair of eyes. See, at the same time with that, actually, is I don't know about you guys, but like watching it as a wrestling fan that follows the journey, I was getting quite annoyed with the the things that were inconsistent with how it actually really happened. I was like, she didn't dye her hair. Nope, that's not how it happened. Wait, what? That yeah. never happened. That's not AJ Lee, that's Selena Vega. <laughs> it was all, I was also just trying to guess like who the women were that were in the locker room were, and I'm like, who's that meant to be? Who's yeah. that meant to be? Yeah. Who's that meant to be? There was, a, there was a lack of Sasha Banks. There was a lack of uh, Rosa Mendes. Oh, definitely. Uh, like, the Rosa Mendes, I'm is ridiculous. <laughs> She didn't have the match with uh, she didn't have the match with Emma down in NXT. They could have had someday, I don't know, who's a blonde that's in Hollywood these days. Uh, I don't know, they could have had Scarlett Johansson dye her hair, she could have had a cameo, she could yeah. have been Emma. I mean, that would, I'm not gonna lie, it would have been the best casting ever. But you know, <laughs> I like it. They didn't like... even do the whole NXT women's champion run and you're like that's oh, kinda what yeah, briefly. Vince Vaughn just gives her a, 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 a speech, a pep talk. Exactly, and you're just like, there was this whole thing about Paige coming to the main roster and being the first ever NXT Women's Champion and being so good, and you're like, well, they missed out that. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know. Junk. Yeah, but that's it. That's what you do. These movies, they just make things up. You know what I mean? Wait till I tell you about Braveheart. Uh, but, like, <laughs> To sort of take it back to the wrestling, um, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this one. AJ Lee, where do you think she stands in the pantheon of WWE women, and what is the story of AJ Lee's career when it's all said and done? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, she's she's got to be. It, it depends how much of a gap you put the people that came after her. Mm-hmm. I think. She's she's got to she's got to be rec- I no actually no I I think you've got to recognise her as someone who's really integral to the development of 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 where the women are at today in WWE particularly I I think she's she's got to be she's got to be given because so the credit needs to be shared equally I think I think there is a lot of credit to go around in terms of where it it came from in terms of the Give Divas a chance 
Mm-hmm. But I, I think she's definitely in, a, in in an arguable position as the person who fired the starting shot on that. Yeah, I think 100%. I think you've, I think you've got I think you've got to regard her very highly for the development yeah. of women's wrestling, particularly in WWE. Um, overall, I, I think that I think you've, the point you've got to make for overall on her career is the fact that she was at the like pretty much from for two years she was at the top of the roster for two for two years. Not not a lot of people get to that position in their respective divisions. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to give her credit there as like maybe she's not up there as like perhaps from an in ring perspective of one of the best of all time. But I think that's because she wasn't given the chance. I think yeah. I think her, I think her failings are not her failings in regards to what could have been for everything. Yeah. But the failings of the booking around our league, I like yeah. you're saying there, because it is it's a complicated legacy she leaves because it, she was maybe the best of her era and the best of her generation. But it was a generation like you say that wasn't given a chance. I think you've summed up quite well yeah. there. I think Billy, same question for Paige. Where where does Paige's career stand in the sort of canon of WWE female talents, and what do you look back on as the legacy of Paige? Uh, well, before before I do that, I'll start with a bit about AJ Lee. I think without her, we wouldn't wrestling. Well, women in wrestling were either uh, tits and ass, or there were big women who could do power moves. That was it. That was your that was your two. Well, that's what you got. So I think AJ Lee broke the mold, as in they could go. Oh right, okay. We can we can get someone who looks a little bit different, and then here's Paige. So it's it's. I think it, without AJ Lee, I don't think WWE would have taken as much of a chance on Paige without her, mm-hmm. because again, Paige is the anti diva. She's not like to steal a, a, a Nia Jax's theme. She's not like most girls. So <laughs> she, without her and without Paige, we might not have had Bailey. Again. Not the yeah. not conventional beautiful woman, uh, in WWE's turn in eyes, you know. Uh, yeah. So I think without AJ, you wouldn't get Paige in WWE. You wouldn't get likes of Bailey. You wouldn't get um, these these women that are different. And uh, so, thanks to AJ, we got that. So with Paige, she is she's in ring, uh, probably one one of the best again of her era. Overall, maybe because she didn't get the chance to. Uh, show more and by time that all these other women were coming up that could go with her she got injured and so that I would kind of cut it off short so we'll never we may never see what Paige could have done um, fortunately her personal life may affect her in-ring return because uh, of course her body has changed since uh, she stopped wrestling but uh, yeah I think Paige is a very important chapter in women's wrestling especially in WWE yeah 100% now to finish off we're going to do something fun I just want you guys to give me some names alright if AJ Lee was to return this week on Raw or NXT or Smackdown in WWE or AEW who would you like to see her face and same question for Paige and Sarah one match one feud one returning rivalry for each of these women please who would you have Ah. them go up against I mean, I would love to see Paige and Sasha. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing I feel like like we could have done a little bit more with. Um, so that that would be what I would probably pick. And then C for AJ, I would love to see her against Thunder Rosa. Oh, 
Rosa, Rosa, Rosa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That would be a, such a good match, such a good rivalry. Stephen, same question to you, sir. Oh, um, Paige, I would need to go with Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. I think that's a solid choice. Uh, AW wise, Sarah picked the one I was going to say in for the Rosa. Ah. I would actually go with Hikara Shida. Mm, for AJ, yeah. I think that would be an interesting clash that of style. That I, I, Yeah, I, I'm really trying not to say the obvious one, so I'm trying to go a bit left field with Shida. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Stephen. And Tom, it's your choices, your picks, please. Who's who's Paige returning against and who's AJ going to return against? I am going to go with for Paige. I would like to see... I'd like to see Paige go against Mandy Rose in NXT. Nice. Um, That's a good to, one. To, to sort of come full circle um, on the absolution, on the absolution side of things. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go left feed with AJ AJ Lee because Sarah got to Thunder Rosa before I could get ah. there. I would, I would really like to see AJ Lee work a program with Jade Cargill. Oh, oh. I, I, I had that thought in my head as well. It's a great oh. little love rivalry. Yeah, that that's a that's a good one, Tom. I like that. And Billy, a lot of good picks been taken, but it comes to you. You have to finish us off. End us on a high. Who are they coming oh, back against? Best to last. I can only call it a disappointment. Uh, well, I won't. <laughs> I won't pick anyone from AEW because I don't watch enough AEW or to, to gauge what their roster's like. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with WWE uh, for Paige. Just because she's got the anti. I've said that diva so many times. You could probably have a drinking game on this, but <laughs> just with the goth look, um, I wouldn't mind her seeing getting in with uh, Rhea. Oh. Rhea Ripley. That's a little mm. bit out there with her, with her, just the, get the goths together, um, put them in the corner outside McDonald's. I don't know, but uh, yeah, so get them together. I think that would be good fun. Um, AJ Lee, you know what? Uh, Alexa Bliss, give me AJ Lee versus Alexa Bliss because oh, Alexa, exactly, oh, Alexa's filled that role that AJ did, and they've got a similar kind of style a little bit with the wrestling, and yeah, something could something good could happen there. So give me AJ versus bliss that is a good way to end the show and i want to thank my panel for being here sarah it's always a pleasure i mean david we didn't get your ones um let's not end the show right now two seconds uh, okay well let's say i'll go for <laughs> page coming back against sonia deville uh, similar uh, thought to what tom was saying i think sonia's in that authority role could have Paige come and say, no, I was a better general manager than you, mate. I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. Uh, and AJ, I think you need to just send her to the top of the division. Let's have AJ against Charlotte. You know what I mean? Uh, like like, like the best of each of their eras. Let's just go for it. Um, but thank you for putting me in the spot, Sarah. I said it was always a pleasure with you. <laughs> Stephen, Absolutely. Always, Stephen, always a chore. Uh, <laughs> you had a good night. <laughs> Likewise, David, to your ego is... <laughs> increasingly difficult to control in a week that I listened back to your first ever show it's just got bigger and bigger it continues to grow until the, yes. day, until the day explodes me and David have evolved together yeah okay? exactly it continues yeah, but to grow e- your, your ego has not evolved David's ego mm. has evolved <laughs> sorry I don't I don't listen to peasants anyway I Tom thank you very much well, thank you so much for, for making your debut today sir oh it's been a pleasure thank you so much 
No worries, and we, of course, we have the man behind Scottish Wrestling Network, Billy Strachan. It was it was good to have you here, sir. Always appreciate the plugs for the for uh, Scottish Wrestling Network, but no, I've had a lot of fun, so can't wait to come back. Well, listen, we'll see you back next time on the feature show. We're going to get another one in our Mount of Rushmore series. It's always a fun time. The big dog, Al McLucas, will be hosting. They're looking at the Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers. Tune in for that one. But for now, from ESSR, from the feature shows, it's goodbye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on each suplex retreat East meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the East Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.